Aragorn sat bitter in the mouth. Near delirious with fright, the Englishman knew nothing could save him now. Perhaps his comrades were already dead, either victim of the fever and bloody flux that had come upon the settlement, or butchered and scalped by the marauding savages. As they brought him to the camp, he had seen a wooden pole set between trees, heavy with human trophies. He sobbed another incoherent prayer. Opie Cancanu watched. How unimpressive these outsiders were, how foolhardy to trespass in his domain. These wearers of leg coverings were no match for his braves. As military commander of the Powhatan people and defender of their lands, he answered only to his half-brother and ruler of the people, the supreme Mamanatoic, the mighty chief Powhatan. Threat lay everywhere. To the north, the raiding canoe parties of the Iroquoian tribes. To the west, the probing attacks of the Suan and their cannibal allies. To the south, other Algonquin fiefdoms like his own, jostling to expand. And now, strangers had come across the ocean to establish a meager colony. He doubted their intention was benign. He suspected their number would grow. Disrespect was a capital offence. A shaman sprinkled powder onto the fire, and the flames leapt in myriad hues. The noise ebbed, and in the quiet the thin notes of a reed pipe carried clear. Howling now, the prisoner was pegged out on the earth, the archpriest moving and singing around him. Then the priest knelt, and with the sharp edge of a mussel shell began to joint the body. A shin-bone came away, and next a thigh, each item deftly removed and raised up to a tumultuous cheer before being cast upon the fire. Expert hands did their careful work, applying the cauterizing brand while the reed pipe played. Shorn of his limbs, the prisoner writhed and screamed as his body parts cooked close by. But the execution was not yet finished. Rolling the torso onto its front, the priest crouched in a slick of blood and made an incision in the back of the neck. As the scalp and face were peeled clean away, the remnants of the man shuddered and perished. Justice had been done. A second prisoner was brought, cowering and vomiting as Opikankanu approached. Terror has its own stench. The two men stared at each other, two opposing worlds divided by only five paces. The skin of the native was painted red, the right side of his head shaven, his hair hanging long in a knot to his left shoulder. Keen eyes peered through a mask of white. To the Englishman, he seemed a demon in a place of hell. Let me go, stuttered the man. I will tell all of your mercy and greatness. He would indeed. With a gesture, Opikankanu gave the order. The captive was to be returned unharmed to his own people. He would serve the Pohatan cause well by spreading fear and consternation among the settlers. Opikankanu watched the scrabbling man hurl himself out of the camp 
and considered his future strategy. Many seasons passed, his leader had consulted spirit guides about his visions of invaders journeying on great swans from afar and marauding his lands. Yet there were several ways to interpret such a dream, and Opikankanu would not be cowed. This foreign tribe had its vulnerabilities. It possessed scant food. It could be manipulated, and it would be brought to destruction. Corpses would litter the earth, and he would finally inherit the land as savior and overlord. He turned away. In far distant Spain, deep within the monastic gloom of the Escorial Palace in the barren hills above Madrid, another encounter between prisoner and authority was in train. A man was dragged from his cell and up...